0: You're listening
1: to a Sim Media podcast. In a world of iconic riffs, immortal solos, the highest notes and the most guttural growls, the debate of the greats has raged on for decades. And we settle them here. This is The Great. Metal Standoff. Ladies and gentlemen of the rock and roll, punk, prog, hardcore, thrash, and heavy metal community, my name is Jason Evans and this is the Great Metal Standoff, a podcast that pits music's greatest albums in track-by-track combat. This battle marks the end of Imran and I's mini second series of Grunge Month, or Grunge Month 2 if you will. And the conclusion of our trilogy of battles with our newest battle pal, Moshpin on Sins 2021 contributor, Hannah Pratt. And we end this series of grunge by going back to the beginning. Before Nevermind exploded, before Facelift began making waves, right in the heart of the Seattle hotbed was Mother Love Bone, fronted by Andrew Wood, and featured familiar names such as Stone Gossard and Jeff Ammon on guitar and bass, respectively. The band only has one studio album to ever be released, called Apple. However, tragically, Wood would die of an overdose aged 24 just days before the album was to be released. Andrew Wood's roommate was Soundgarden frontman Chris Cornell, and well before his band would pen the likes of Outshine, Jesus Christ, Pose, Black Owl Sun and Spoon Man, which would soon cement Soundgarden as a pillar from the era, Cornell got together with Mother Love Bone's Gossard and Amitt to release some songs in memory of Wood. During this process, guitarist Mike McCready and vocalist Eddie Vedder were recruited to take part in the making of the songs that would end up becoming the album Temple of the Dog. What makes Temple of the Dog so significant and pivotal to grunge is that we have members of Soundgarden, Cornell on vocals, and Matt Cameron on drums performing on this album, and this album led to Gossard, McCready, Ammon, and Vetter to go on to form Pearl Jam, which in their own right became a pillar of the grunge era and iconic rock act that now has 11 studio albums, a rock and roll hall of fame induction, and still tours to this day. With such history set up from events surrounding these albums, Hannah, Imran and I are going to see what happens when we pit Apple and Temple of the Dog against each other. Here's how that'll work. Every album battle will be contested in track-by-track format by our podcast panel. Each individual panelist will select a winner of each pairing. The winning track receives a point to that individual's tally score. Tracks on albums that go uncontested can receive a tally point if a panelist awards it a gold star, which we will need. We are really going to need that one. Once the battle is over, the album with the highest tally score will receive one grand point for that album. If a panelist's tally score results in a draw, both albums will receive a half grand point each. The album with the most grand points will be declared the winner. Let's see if we can find a winner between the two. Across the discussion, plenty of debate is to be had, and we even got Hannah to learn something new as we went along. So with that, over to Imran and Hannah to finish Grunge Month 2. Roll the audio. Good to have you back, Hannah. We're rounding out the trilogy here, and we've got a lot of history right in front of you. you Excited?
0: I'm stoked. First of all, thanks for having me back. Uh, Second of all, I'm very excited about this one. I didn't have a lot of experience with either band, so really excited to get into it
1: and it's certainly so with a lot of history to uncover here. Imran, this is the culmination of an entire month of grunge that we analysed about a year ago. And this is now just tying up loose ends, this period here, and we're kind of ending it where it all began. Oh, wait, Imran, we forgot about the Melvins, it! Oh, no. All
2: right, grunge month three, let's go. <laughs> we're going to have to do it.
1: <laughs> grunge month 2022, we're going to need to talk to Melvins. The whole point of Mother Love Bone versus Temple of the Dog was that this is the tying of the loose ends and ending grunge where it began. But, uh, no, we've got them elements. Either all Mother Love Bone versus Temple of the Dog. What did you think, Imran?
2: Just, uh, going off what you said there, this is pretty much the, like, the, the top tier of grunge bands because they're not so much bands as supergroups. Like Temple of the Dog, Fusing, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, Apple... Uh, sorry, Mother Love Bone, that's the album name. Um... Uh, Mother Love Bone uh, with Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament of Pearl Jam as well. You know, it's just like, we've covered everything grunge and now we're right sitting at the top of grunge. And yeah, these are two fantastic albums as well. I'm not so much familiar with the Mother Love Bone one, but Temple of the Dog, one of my favourite albums of all times. No spoilers. This This is going to be an interesting one though, because both great albums. I don't know what to say without saying anything.
1: What what a name though Apple, just Apple. Yeah, what a name. Nice and simple. I guess if they were ever going to release a second one, they what would they call it? Beta. But then again, Apple's not really a phonetic, so we might be uh
2: Bravo. Maybe
1: that Bravo. That could have been the name Apple, of the second Bravo. one if they continued on. But uh, no,
2: Apple. I thought you were going in the direction of banana or pear.
0: Yeah, I was hoping for a fruit pun.
1: Yeah. Some for some weird reason my brain just goes immediately to the phonetic alphabet when I think of things like that. So, it's a bit it's a bit of a different wiring, I admit, but uh yes, apple versus temple of the dog. Apple, for instance, Hannah, I'm not sure I'm not sure how much of the history uh, of the historical factor you are familiar with, Hannah, but if it weren't for Apple and how Mother Lovebone had risen and ended with the tragic death of uh, Andrew Wood pretty much Days before the release of this album, which is a tragic thing to think about, but because of his death, changed the directory of the Seattle sound from that period of time, because Temple of the Dog is a tribute to Andrew Wood, the singer of Mother Love Bone, and from these albums on, it was the foundation for how the sound progressed throughout the rest of its era.
0: Well, there you go. I don't know if that's a fun fact so much as it is a grim fact, but I really appreciate the insight, and I'm excited for you both to kind of fill me in historically on these albums and their significance, because I don't know anything.
1: That's the reason why we (laughs) brought you on the standoff, to explore your horizons of music, and we've gotten gotten a trilogy out of you here on this show. (laughs) When this battle was proposed, what went through your head immediately, Hannah?
0: What went through my head was, okay, Temple of the Dog, I've definitely heard of that, heard of them, whatever term you want to use. I've, I think I would have heard a, you know, bits and pieces of that album, but I'd never sat down and listened in full. And then Mother Love Bone, I am sad to admit I'd never even heard of. So there you go. I'm
1: with you too. It was only about a year ago when I finally, when I, when I found out about this band for the very first time. Imran, in the same boat, or were you more familiar with them, or just a bit more vaguely
2: more familiar than the,
1: of them than Hannah
2: and I? Yeah. I well I mean, being the ultimate grunge fan that I am, um, definitely I was aware of um Mother Love Bone. Um I've listened to Apple a few times before this, but never enough for it to cement in my memory. Whereas Temple of the Dog, like I said before, this this is an album I used to play driving and cruising along and singing to all the songs and stuff, so it's another nostalgic album for me.
1: Plenty to talk about here. Apple versus Temple of the Dog. I think we'll just get straight into it. Let's gesture over to the Timekeeper. And mercifully, ring the bell on, hopefully, the last grunge battle for a little while on the great metal standoff. Ring the bell. <coughs> Thanks, Timekeeper. Let's start this battle. This is Shangriya, uh-oh, versus Say Hello to Heaven. Interesting start. They're both positive starts, in my view, and
2: it's a competitive one, Imran. I'd say it's a competitive one. This is this is Shangri-La. Is that? I'm not sure how. I thought exactly it was Shangri-La.
0: Yeah. I'm going
2: with Shangri-La. that. Thank you, Hannah. This is Shangri-La. A very solid opening to a very solid album. Um, I like the little weird, spooky intro, and then straight slam into the glam rock metal Bon Jovi kind of riff. With uh, it's just such a groovy funky bouncy kind of song. Um I immediately got Boston more than a feeling out of that riff. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> ah, that's Well, I mean that hasn't changed my opinion on the song, but wow, I'm never going to unhear that. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. I I need a I need a second to recover from that one. <laughs> um Anyway, <laughs> um yeah, no, it's just a very strong opening song. There's not particularly like a lot to the song in terms of like structure or there's substance to the song, but like it's a it's just a fun song. The I like the chorus, it's very Axl Rosie. Got stuck in my head after I listened to it for the first time in a while, but yeah, I really like the solo as well. It's very cool. Um there's like a little lead into the solo with like this little drum thing that I really like. Yeah, it's just a fun song. Um yeah, say hello to heaven. Up against it, I this is a tough pick because I really like this song. The like the straight from the opening, the heavily drenched chorus guitar, um, the little vocals from Chris Cornell just leading in. It's just got that like soul R and B type vibe that really Mother lovebone kinda has, which we'll get into later. Even uh Cornell singing, while it's like Cornell's still got his like classic cornell's style of singing he kind of has like after listening to mother love Brain, he has these little like andrew wood inflections in his singing that um it's like almost narration i kind of i don't know it's just like a storytelling kind of thing say hello to heaven there's this song is like there's not much to say about it because i think it speaks for itself it's, it's hard not the to... most
1: fancy song in the world is it no
2: it's it's not like it's not something I feel like I can describe a lot because it's like you got to listen to it to experience it.
0: Can I jump in there? I agree with that sentiment and the fact that it kind of, it is what it is and it is hard to describe. Um, I'm sure I will run into that phrasing a lot throughout this evening, but I'm definitely echoing that statement about say hello to heaven. It kind of just, it's its own thing and putting it into words not only doesn't do it justice, but it also just doesn't fully capture what you're trying to say about it anyway. Do you know what I mean? I know that doesn't make sense, but yeah.
2: I know exactly what you mean. Good. Uh, I'm not going to pick yet. You guys go. All
0: right, I'll bite. For me, Say Hello to Heaven, as I just mentioned, it kind of just is what it is. Um, it's sort of like a bit more of a, like a ballady rock song, fairly blues inspired. I feel like the whole album, the Temple of the Dog album is fairly bluesy. Um, I do feel like it has, yes, it has like powerhouse vocals, that like classic Chris Cornell sound, pretty much from the get-go on this album as this as the intro but for me um I kind of felt like at times the song definitely de- just like relied on him to lead it th- with his vocals I felt like that was kind of they were taking it and running with it with it, with the vocals it, it, I didn't feel like a complete song in that sense they kind of like relied on the vocals to me not that he's not a great singer um and then in comparison uh, Mother Love Bone this is Shangri-La so 90s like just a bit more attitude a bit more grit a bit more riffage for me I felt like that was a really good way to set the tone for the album. And that's my pick.
1: First pick going Mother Love Bone, Hannah. That's interesting. Okay. I'm finding that interesting because while I do agree with your point on saying Chris Cornell elevates the song, it's almost a reason why I want to pick Say Hello to Heaven, but there are convincing arguments telling me otherwise. So, uh... Iran, got any final points you want to give me if for me to pick This Is Shangri-La? uh
2: Uh... I think... I think Hannah summed it up. I think I'm picking. This is Shangri-La. You convinced me.
0: Oh wow! Great. Join the club.
1: Good. Yeah. Good job, Hannah. I was I was very <laughs> confident on going say hello to heaven before we started recording, but you've swung me back the other way. We'll go. This is Shangri-La. Ah, uh, ow. Oh. Yeah. Fun little start. I'm glad, Imran. You mentioned Andrew Wood has got the Axel ro- the Axel Rose kind of vocal style because it becomes much more prevalent as we go along. And oh yeah. This might sound controversial, but this is Shangri La. It is a positive start, but I think it does wear thin later on. That's just my view. I I'm I'm annoyed I didn't pick Say Hello to Heaven because it is still a strong song. Hannah, I've got a question now. How much of Chris Cornell's work have you explored?
0: Not that much. I'm a little bit familiar with Soundgarden. I wouldn't say I listen to them on the regular or anything, but um. In the past, some of my mates have been really, really into them, so I've only explored them kind of passively through other people. Why do you ask?
1: Well, good thing Imran's on this show. You've got the Encyclopedia of Soundgarden sitting right in front of you. We can talk to We can sort you out after the show.
2: I was listening to them just before we did this.
0: <laughs> just to further the point, really take it home there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Stardog
1: Champion versus Reach Down. Reach Down, 11 minutes. Five of those minutes is a guitar solo from Stone Gossard. There's some sort of Herbie Hancock kind of funk style going on in the rhythmic sections. Stardog Champion, Imran. What do we say to that?
2: Stardog Champion. I like how it's got this weird droning 70s style to it. Sabbathy. Kind of, it's got like a... Yeah, I was about to say a Sabbath-style riff. I like the, the vocals are very... Narrative like, which I think kind of adds to that, uh, weird, like that, just that droning feel. Um, I like the weird Egyptian breakdown and the solo thing, I really liked that part. The acoustic guitar break at the end I thought was a bit weird coming from a song like this because kind of leads into this, like, really big chorus, uh, voices, which reminds me of uh, Black by Pearl Jam, like, kind of. Ends with this big, it's not symphonic. Um, what's the word? Just like it's, it's big... definitely
1: got the piano ballad. Black.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Star Dog Champion. It's a cool song, but I I wouldn't put it up against. I wouldn't put any song on this album up against Reach Down because this is my favourite song on the album. and It's 11 minutes of pure freaking gold. I could not talk enough about this song. It'll probably take up about 40 minutes of this podcast, so I might let you guys go first.
0: Um, so I know I just said that I wasn't very familiar with Chris Cornell, but I do have to actually immediately revoke that because I have heard Reach Down before. Um, Reach Down, I really like. Um, yes, it's 11 minutes. Yes, it's a, it's a commitment, but I find it really, really easy to get lost in this song and just, you know, go with the flow and, you know, all the ebbs and the waves and everything. It's got a bit more of like a meteor base. It's somehow... I don't know if this is uh this is if this is too crass for this podcast, but it's like a little bit sexy. <laughs> um, still like that, a little bit of a bluesy feel, as I was saying before. There's that massive instrumental breakdown and solo in the middle, and I think that really showcases the rest of the talent of the musicians in the band rather than Chris Cornell's vocals. Um, and then up against Stardog Champion, yeah, it can't really go up against it. I feel yes, Stardog is like very catchy, and it's interesting that you say it reminds you of kind of 70s and Sabbath imran because I got like big 80s rock energy from that I guess that harks back to our axel Rose point um yeah and then it's got that 90s guitar with the uh, this is quote unquote what I wrote in my notes wheel <laughs> um, the thing that I think took me out of stardog champion is I really disliked the kids choir at the end that I just couldn't vibe with that yep um, but the first three quarters of the track are good. I'm glad you're nodding and agreeing with me I'm there. With you
1: there, Hannah. Um,
0: yeah, just yeah. It was kind of I don't know. It just totally took me out of it and a bit jarring to listen to, and I just didn't like that. Kind of felt a bit cheap in a way. I don't really know how to elaborate further from that. So for me, it's definitely reach down. I
1: also didn't like Andrew Woods. Uh, the whole wow 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah that kind of th- vocal line that he did in the first in the intro of Stardog Champion. That part's not great for me. Reach down. It's very. I don't have that many insightful notes or great analysis for reach down so i'm just gonna throw to imran and you can imran please break down that solo what what, uh, what makes it so great go. to you
0: this is called playing to your strengths
1: playing to the strengths because what i've got pretty much is just more rhythmic things like temple of the dog sound more like of a funk group in the rhythm sections and in the lead up the first five minutes of reach down and then it just goes off the wall with a five-minute solo. There's too much to break down. Let's play to our strengths. Imran, what do you have to say? Well,
2: yeah, I mean, the rhythmic stuff, the the groove, first of all, once that once those drums come in, it just sends me to another planet. I love it. Um, that groove, that guitar riff, the, the combination of all that, like you said, Hannah, the chunky, the chunky bass, um, just all of that, the combination just... I really love how in the bridge it kind of like picks up a little bit um, and then goes into that slower, like a uh, little tiny bit of, you know, you gotta rest, you gotta rest. And then once that chorus kicks in, you've got all of the harmonies and it's just massive. And you've got the really high harmonies in the background that I don't, I, th- I don't know if that's like the highest note Chris Cornell has ever hit in those harmonies, but it's insane. Even like the melody of it. It's just catchy. Um, the vo- the vocals in the verse as well, particularly are uh, very um I feel like is telling a story. Like uh be like say hello to heaven, but it's more like I when I listen to this song time sometimes, sometimes eh, I feel like I'm sitting in a bar next to Chris Cornell and he's just telling me this story. Then all of a sudden, um, we just kick into this weird five minute guitar solo that I I think it's one of the best solos Mike McCready's ever done because it just slowly builds up into like, over the course of five, four and a half minutes, whatever it is, just builds from this, like, slow funk thing to just absolute mess, like, just noise and... what's the word? Cacophony. I love that word. Um, goes absolutely nuts, and then all of a sudden just stops, and you've got acapella Cornell, which just sends me to a completely different planet as well every time. There's more soloing as well at the end, just... As the song progresses, I just get sucked back into the song every time. It just takes me on a ride. It's one of the few minute few 11-minute songs that like I just cannot skip. Like I I listen to a lot of Tool songs where I get to like towards the end. You know how much of a Tool fan I am, Jason. I'll get to the end and I'll be like, "All right, I'm waiting for the next song now." This is a this is one of the songs that's like really long that is 11 minutes long that I cannot skip. I need to listen to all of this.
1: All three of us pick and Reach Down then, hey?
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, Reach Down's got my vote. Imagine if after that big spiel, Imran, you were like, so anyway, I'm going to go with Mother Love Bone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about that, but I'm like, no, I can't. (laughs) That's blasphemy.
0: And Jason, what was your pick as well?
2: Oh, it's going to
1: be Reach Down. Perfect. There's, yeah, there's, there's too much going on on Reach Down for me not to pick it so that that's where it'll go. Track 3 Holy Roller versus Hunger Strike another one that's not really much of a debate now before Imran the Super Cornell fan blats all over the joint about Hunger Strike I really want to hear Hannah's take on Hunger Strike
0: ooh, okay this may be met with the distaste, shall I say. Um, So for me, Hunter Strike, it didn't really do anything for me. I'm really sorry. Until it kind of got to the bit where Chris Connell's saying, going hungry kind of in the background. And it's those really strong powerhouse vocals. That's what got my attention, but it took, I don't know, T minus two minutes to get into that kind of thing. You know, we then moved to like a bit more of a breakdown before going back into that same initial riff and then mix up the drums a little bit, which I like, but I don't have that much to say because it just didn't do it for me. I felt like against Holy Roller, it was... I felt like Holy Roller was a much more enjoyable track. Admittedly, I didn't really like there's kind of this megaphony sort of vibe in turn of the vocals about halfway through. I don't quite know what that is. I like that Our Mother Love Bone have a bit of a sense of humour in their lyrics, though. That kind of keeps me on my on my toes. But I like the music in this track a lot more. I think so far on these album on both albums, three songs into each, that Holy Roller is like the most infectious song, and for that reason, it's got my point.
1: I can understand the sentiment of it taking a bit too long because, instrumentally, Hunger Strike is a very simple guitar melody. It's not, there's not too much going on. It's like, say, Hello to Heaven, not that fancy, but compositionally, I think everything comes together just right. And the added vocal of Eddie Vedder really puts that on a different level. So I'll disagree with saying it's a bit boring, but I can understand the point. Other than that, what a beautiful dichotomy between Cornell and Vedder, singing Hang on I'm back Hungry. In. Yes?
0: I'm jumping back in. I didn't know that Eddie Vedder was on that track, so please disregard my previous point if I was incorrect about the names. I didn't know that was him.
1: Well, there you go, yeah. This is the first of a couple of tracks where uh, Eddie Vedder, before Pearl Jam uh, formed, he makes a, a guest vocal appearance here on Temple of the Dog.
0: Very cool. If I if I stumble again or I make a mistake about that before next time, just call me out because I clearly didn't know. But that's very cool.
2: Okay, Imran, let it rip. All right, here we go. You know, I didn't actually write that many notes for Hunger Strike because this is another song, a bit like Say Hello to Heaven, that I think speaks for itself. Like you said, Jason, like all the parts just like come together just really nicely. The structure of it is, I wouldn't say perfect, but it just it works. Straight from the get-go, it's got that iconic riff. I really love the guitar tone um, of that riff.
1: It's light and it's delicate.
2: Yeah. Um, Every vocal part in the song is catchy. I can... Like, on multiple occasions, I've got different parts of this song stuck in my head, just randomly. Like, I feel like every single part is just... It just hits... It just grains in your head a little bit. And, yeah, I don't know. It's so good. Of course, the powerhouse vocals with Eddie Vedder... Um, who doesn't love Eddie better, honestly? Um, yeah, I, there's really not much to say about this song other than, like, go listen to it. It's so good.
1: Ah. You and me hunger strike run, eh? Yep. That's the way. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something to say and I really am struggling. Uh, Holy Roller, in the meantime, I it's interesting, Hannah. I considered Holy Roller a bit of a step down from Shangri- Shangri-La and Stardock Champion, <laughs> for that matter. Um, maybe also Imran? Question:
2: Holy Roller, Led Zeppelin kind of sound? There is a song that I put uh, somewhere in my notes that had a Zeppelin kind of groove. Um, I could hear that though. Yeah, it's very funky. I I did like the weird break in the um, in that song. Uh, the, the megaphone preachy vocals were a bit weird, but I like the weird feedback stuff and the, and the halftime drums. Yeah. I don't think Holy Roller didn't really do much for me either. It was all right. I kind of forgot how it goes. Not going to lie.
1: I can only just remember its main hook and it's not the most overwhelming hook of all time. I mean, it, comparing that again, again, you're comparing that to hunger strike, which I just considered while it's not Really, that fancy of a song—it's very well composed, very well written, with some ang- the anger in Cornell's voice to the calming nature of Vetta's voice. It's put together quite well, very nicely written. Hunger Strike has my vote. So, for on that note, the score stands: Hannah Apple leading two-one, and Imran and I having Temple of the Dog lead two-to-one. And moving on now to Bone China versus Pushing Forward Back—is this one a competitive one, Hannah? Bone China—it's melodic. More clean. Uh, the vo- Vocally, I don't know why I've written here in my notes pre-Scott Wayland in terms of the vocals, but I guess that's what I got out of it there. There's some little Eastern guitar melodies going on, but Pushing Forward Back's a fun song to bop your head to.
0: I think it is a good song to bop your head to, but I also think that's not exclusive to this song, so for me, it can't get a point based on that alone. Um, Pushing Forward Back was like, I-, I like that it started off a little bit heavier, I suppose, as opposed to some of the earlier songs on that album. I actually, this is another instance, as we chatted about in the first track, I have no real notes on this song. I don't really know how to describe it. It just kind of is what it is. It does get a little more interesting about halfway through kind of like instrumentally. But again, I think then that it relies a little bit again on Chris Cornell's vocals to carry it through once again. I suppose it's kind of a little more radio friendly, you know, like very well structured, you know what you're getting out of this kind of rock song. For me, Bone China, I know what you mean. It has those kind of like little um, guitar bits. For the listeners, I'm doing this thing with my hands, trying to um, illustrate that. It's not going too well. Um, It is like a bit of, what it's the slowest offering from Mother Love Bone so far on this album. I think lyrically it's kind of not great, but it also, I also paid, I feel like I paid the most attention to the lyrics somehow in this one. I think, as you said, Jason, because it's so clean and the production and everything. It's kind of a slow headbang vibe is what I wrote for Bone China. And I'm not I'm gonna hold my point until I hear
2: both of your
0: reviews as well.
2: You alright. pulling and Imran, I see.
0: <laughs> Learned from the best.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Well, Burn China, I I liked this song a lot. Um I liked the clean guitar. I liked the the bluesy vocals. I agree with you, Jason, about the Scott Wayland or the pre Scott Wayland type vocals. Um I almost wrote that down but I was like, hmm, I don't know. But yeah.
1: Let's not try and blind ourselves with hindsight, but uh, it was a bit tricky to do in that instance, I think, there.
2: Yeah, I was definitely there, but yeah. Um, I, I really like this song. I like how it feels like the verse and the the chorus or the bridge and chorus, whatever sections you want to call them, um, they almost feel like two different songs almost, or like the, the first part of the song, the verse, and the, the second part where it just kind of opens up a bit more Kind of, it's like its own section, but it's still part of the song, obviously. I think it leads nicely from the chorus back into the verse. Yeah, it's just, it's a nice song. Um, I'd say it's one of the standouts on the album. Um, Bone China. Yeah, I don't, I really liked this song. It was, it's kind of simple, but I liked it. Pushing forward back, this is probably another one of my favorites on the album. I really like the, um, the, the off-kilter groove. I think it's in like 7 or something, 7, 8. Uh, that's just musician talk. Um, I like the feedback thing at the start with the with the whammy guitar. Where it does the thing? That's I don't know. The the whole intro to that is really cool. I just feel like it builds into this thing, and I really really love the vocal melody in the verse. Powerful delivery, like kind of it just goes up and like down. It's so cool. I like that riff as well towards the middle. Um, that I think you mentioned, Hannah, it goes back into that old groove. I do agree with the vocals, not the vocals, the instruments kind of do rely on Cornell to carry the song a lot on this one a little bit, but I think the groove and the the energy of the track makes me want to pick it over Bone China and makes it kind of one of my favourites as well. So I'm picking Pushing Forward Back.
1: For a vast majority of what you said there, Imran, I'm with you. They're Pushing Forward Back.
0: Okay, I'm Jumping Ship and I'm going Bone China.
1: Oof. I think we're starting to see where our allegiances lie here. We might be seeing a couple of we might see, we can't actually know, we can't see pitching a shutout, but we're going to I think we might be on the way to some dominant victories here. Uh yeah, pushing forward back for me, Bone Shine for Hannah. That's a yeah, we're seeing some allegiances lie perhaps here in this battle. Come bite the apple versus call me a dog. Now, haha. Now. By this point, I think, from this point forward, Apple, for me, is going to start getting, okay, there's some good moments. Okay, there's bits I really don't care about. There's bits um, that aren't too bad, and I'm not really caring about this. What really bugs me is that those bits where I'm going, okay, Mother Love Bone are doing all right here. They're going up against some really stellar temple of the dog tracks, and Call Me A Dog is no exception.
2: This one, for me, is a very easy choice. Because, look... Come Bite the Apple is an alright song. This one is the one that I wrote. Had a very Zeppelin style groove, Jason. Right. Um, I really like the phaser in it, like the on the guitar. There's a, another wah solo. Uh, it kind of, I like the the chill like variation of the riff towards the end. Um, there's a nice bassline under that as well. Um, but then like the song kind of goes back up and the drums get faster. It's a cool song, but. You can't put it, you can't put it up. Call me a dog and expect me to pick something else. <laughs> you just can't do that. It's not. It's no. You can't. I've just I've
1: just realised in my notes too. Imran, come bite the apple. I've put in here wood mix of Robert Plant or Axl Rose question mark. There we go. Yeah.
0: No. Nope. There you go. So
1: we had a bit of telepathic exchange there. Also, come bite the apple. It could be a bit shorter. I don't think it needed to be five and a half minutes.
2: No. Yeah. It was a bit long. It was alright, but it was... Yeah, that was definitely one of the reasons that... It's okay, but it's not remarkable.
1: Call me a dog. You were just about to go into a massive spiel about call me a dog. Go oh, ahead. Um... We're unchaining Imran tonight.
2: Yep. You know what? Yeah, it's crunch month. I got to. But yeah, look, straight from the get-go, the song just immediately sets the vibe. It's... You got the... The piano, the guitar, the immediate bluesy style vocals—got that old, old school soul R and B kind of thing. This is like a whiskey bar song. Uh, the the chord progression in this song is just—I I really, really love the chord progression in this song because it always feels like it's trying to reach something that it's not quite reaching. Uh, aside from maybe the bridge before the solo, that kind of feels like where it gets its like most complete and like we... feels like I'm more relaxed, but then the rest of it, it kind of feels like you're a little bit on edge, feels like that chord progression needs to lead somewhere that it's not quite reaching to. And I really like that about it. And the vocals just weave through it just amazingly. They're passionate, it's soulful, it's... I don't know what else to say about it other than
1: frick. Give it a point and move on. I think that's what you and I are looking at at the minute. (laughs) I reckon. Let's do so. Hannah, just call me a dog just to play a bit of devil's advocate here. Does it suffer the same problem as you've been saying for a couple of previous Temple of the Dog tracks where it is mostly carried by the vocal?
0: In a way, yes. But in addition to that, I think we're seeing a kind of... Soft is not the right word to use, but we're seeing a more kind of vulnerable style of singing here. It's a very, very different vibe. And I think for that reason alone, it, it can't be said to the same extent that he's carrying the track. Um, I actually kind of find that style of singing a little more enjoyable than I suppose his signature style, but that could just be because it's, at this point in the album, it's a change of pace, which I think is really nice. It's kind of, I like that you said Whiskey Bar Imran, because for me, it was kind of like a little bit, I think I keep saying bluesy, but like almost country lyrically, because it's kind of like a sad, ballad kind of song.
1: You could make that comparison for another song coming up too, Hannah.
0: Ooh. All right. I will. I think I've probably written that a bunch of times, so I'm sure I'll bring it up again. And then in comparison, we've got Come Bite the Apple, which is really great that you've both pointed out, like Robert Plant and Axl Rose, because the first thing I wrote about this track was, reminds me of another band or song, and I can't figure it out. <laughs> so I think you've both hit the nail on the head.
2: <laughs> Lead and roses.
0: Yeah.
1: I got that feeling from heaps of songs on Apple, by the way, so if you can help me with that as we go along, it'd be greatly appreciated.
0: <laughs> we'll all put the puzzle pieces into play. But if we've all got that similar vibe, that's that's really reassuring. Um, I don't know. I I, I can totally see how that the battle between these two, even if you, you're both thinking that Temple of the Dog is a stronger track, I think I have to go with Mother Love Bone, but I think that just comes from the sense of familiarity in the sense that, yes, it reminds me of kind of Led Zeppelin. And stuff, and as you said, Imran, the Temple of the Dog track—it's always reaching for something that it doesn't quite achieve, and to me, that was a little bit unsatisfying.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Seeking some resolution there, Hannah. I try. <laughs> the only problem with my with the comment that I was saying in my notes there with Wood sounding like Robert Plant and Axel Rose, I—it's like a mix between, but I'm not sure if it—it's like he's trying and failing to be those two singers. That, yeah. I think that's just my view, well, Imran.
2: I can kind of see that because he's definitely got. That, like his, I feel like he's got more of the Axl Rose inflection than the, the Robert Plant, but yeah, it's like he's trying. He's almost got it, but...
1: It's not quite and it sounds a little bit cheap at times.
2: A little bit.
0: I was going to say, I do echo that statement, like, thinking back, the song does sound a little bit cheap, but I still think, for some reason, I'm not even sure myself, for some reason, it's still getting my vote.
1: No worries at all there. Uh, we'll move on then. Stargazer versus Times of Trouble. Hannah made the country comparison earlier you could. that's the intro rift to Times of Trouble I would say it's got that dark kind of blues that Imran and I find quite tasty every now and then
0: <laughs> a little snack
1: just a little one you know how we roll Hannah you're working it out
0: <laughs> am I kicking this one off? would you like to? I guess I'll take the reins, sure um, yeah I wrote Stargazer in my notes it's almost equivalent to to um, to call me a dog in the similar country vein. To me, those two sounded a little more similar than um, Come Bite the Apple would. At some points, that kind of seems like a bit of a reach, but I feel like if you actually go back and listen to the album with that in mind, it makes sense. To both albums, I suppose. Um, Here's a fun point. I wrote that the vocals are a little bit Steven Tyler somehow. They, like, really give me Aerosmith vibes. (laughs) And I'm not someone who listens to Aerosmith, if ever. So for me to pull that out, I was like, what the hell? But I think we're all in agreement that there's a lot of different vocal stylings happening and they're not always where they need
1: to be. And even soundscapes as well.
0: Yeah, totally. And then this is up against Times of Trouble, correct?
1: It is, yes.
0: Um, so this one kind of starts off slow and then it builds and it really commands your attention. And I feel like that the, the build-up and then the, the eventual break they're so worth it and it feels like you've really worked for it and it's really delicious and I really like that. And I felt like, um, in contrast to my earlier criticism, this is one of the tracks where the vocals didn't overpower the song and it worked perfectly. And then, to further my blues point, there's like some harmonica and I really liked this track and I'm going to give my point to Temple of the Dog. Thanks, boys.
2: Oof. Hannah, I feel like we keep swapping, like, who we're giving our (laughs) points to because... Yeah, I, actually, I'm still deciding a little bit, but I don't know, I'm kind of leaning towards Stargazer at the moment, because I, I, I love the 12 string in it, I I love the the soul R&B style that Mother Love Bone have, I feel like it's very, very reminiscent of the old school style of, uh, like, soul and R&B and stuff. Um, you wrote uh, Steven Tyler style vocals, I wrote Mick Jagger.
0: So I feel like even though we're we're kind of all saying different people, we're definitely
2: You're like in the just same f- area trying saying the same like, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. But yeah. Um I really like the pre chorus riff um in this. The little um it's like a little bit of a variation. It's like a bit dissonant, but I really like it. Um and I just like how it builds up a little bit towards the end. And the vocals just kinda come in, they're a little bit scratchy, a little bit gritty. This is I really, really like this song, Stargazer. And up against Times of Trouble, got that cowboy riff at the start with the piano. Jason, like you said, I love songs like this. I love the slow blues. The harmonica gets me every time. Jason. Yes. Please, pick. I, I can't.
1: <laughs> okay. Times of Trouble is a really good song. Dark country start. Pia- the piano sections that is involved in the song, it starts off slowly and it starts off continuing that very darker atmosphere, and then as the song progresses along, the piano starts going from dark into more of an uplifting kind of sound, and then it hits its peak during the chorus. The harmonica's is great, but after it hits this crescendo and then the harmonica kicks in, you could probably have shaved a minute off times of trouble. Maybe it didn't need to be five and a bit minutes. You could have had its crescendo and move on. But I think it's still enough for me to take the song over Stargazer because despite it being quite dreamy, there wasn't really that much... I didn't find too much oomph in it. I liked the bass line, I'll admit. I liked the bass line of Stargazer, but it didn't have that much oomph to me. And I'm going to critique Andrew Wood here. I don't think his voice is that well-suited to the ballads, and there are a few ballads coming up on Apple. So... I might end up spiting a few ballads here but based on the merits of the piano of the country timbre or dark country blues that we got going on in times of trouble I will say I will crescendo my point to times of trouble.
2: Hmm. I'm going to pick Stargazer.
0: Is that out of spite or just to no. be different?
2: <laughs> I'm I'm doing it because that's what my gut's telling me and we're going to have to move on quickly before I change my mind. Jason, please.
1: Go 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 go. Well then we shall do that with a score update. Because we're I reckon we're about half we're approaching the second half of Temple of the Dog, so we'll do a quick score check. Let's see if there's any chances for coming back. We'll start with Hannah, which the margin is Apple in the lead four to two. For myself, Temple of the Dog leads five to one. Imran Temple of the Dog four to two. Evenly matched. However, because Imran's now starting to turn and give points to Apple, maybe we could be resulting in a draw again. Uh oh. Just saying. Just saying.
2: <laughs> For some somebody... reason Don't jinx it, Jason. <laughs> For some strange reason
0: <laughs> haven't we suffered enough? Come myself <laughs> and
1: Hannah are going out on th- <laughs> into very extreme margins between these two albums, and here's him run probably gonna end it with a dead heat. But here we go. Let's see if any margins close or expand with Heartshine versus Wooden Jesus. Hannah, we'll start off with you.
0: Oh no. Okay. HeartShine. It started and I was like, oh, hello drums, hello bass, you've come to join the party today. And they both have their own moment in the intro, which I really liked. Uh, Yeah, we kick into gear and it's like a pretty good vibe. It's definitely a bit of an earworm. It's very catchy and the vocals are quite repetitive. Again, like Mick Jagger, Steven Tyler, kind of like something, Bon Jovi, like there's something going on there vocally. Um, And I just don't know if it quite hits the mark. And then we've got Wooden Jesus. Again, this is a song I did know. I surprised myself. Um, actually, before I get into this one, I want to hear someone else's thoughts on, on um, Mother Love Bone. I feel like I've really taken the spotlight.
1: No worries at all. I'll give you a little thing, because I want to talk a bit more instrumentally about Heartshine. It's more... I think it might end up being more likely the point I'll end up giving between the two. Imran, I need to ask you, this is where we need to talk more instrumentally here, Stone Gossard and Jeff Amett and all that, there are moments I'm listening to that guitar and I'm thinking that's got to be the riff to Alive but being predated by at least two or three years. I'm sitting here thinking alive. there's a lot of instrumental moments in Hearthstone where it's like, this could have been something off 10.
2: There, there were a lot of moments off of this album that I kind of like heard that I was like, yeah, that's very like Pearl Jam style or just like you can hear Stone Gossard's like... Yeah, like I feel like after I after listening to Pearl Jam enough, I whenever I listen to Temple of the Dog or like if I was listening to Mother Love Bone or even like Mad Season, which is Mike McCready's other side project, um, you I can just hear um just like their their guitar, the style of their playing, um, even the tone, just like everything about it, you can kinda hear it. But yeah, Heart Try in particular, I didn't particularly notice um a pre-dated version of Alive in that. Um, I might have to listen to it again.
1: I swear I was listening to the guitar and I could hear... Well, not, obviously, the Alive riff that we all know and love, but a very rough version of it that makes up the intro to the heart sh- to HeartShine. Other than that, I think I even put, I put even flow in my notes here. I'm not quite sure if that's an accurate one. I'll probably disregard that one. Other than that, drums, MVP there on HeartShine. Uh, and uh, I'm with you as well, Hannah. Mixed opinions on the vocals in the outro. It's a fun outro, but vocally mixed opinions there.
2: Where is Imran? Wooden Jesus. Wooden Jesus. I, I, I think this is one of the most underrated songs on the album. It's, well, maybe for me particularly, because this one took a long time to grow on, to grow on me. Um, I don't know about anyone else or your guys' opinions on it, obviously, but I really like the uh, groove of the drum intro, I like the little percussion stick, whatever. Um, it's a very folky song. It's almost like a it's almost like a song you'd hear while you're sailing or something. One of those kind of songs. Um but then That's like so
0: specific.
2: A, yeah, I don't it's just got that vibe, like that not like a Viking kind of vibe, it's just like this weird folky like You'd probably hear it from coming from some sailor or something. I don't know. Maybe it's the the wavy kind of feel to it in the in the verse. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I once it hits the chorus. Um, I like how Chris Cornell. does this little like falsetto thing where it goes up. Um, which is just a little thing, but it gets me every time as well. The chorus is like really like it goes back to like that classic Temple of the Dog sound. It's, it's almost this like mix of folk and soul. It's really weird. But, yeah, it's got a classic style Mike McCready solo. It's got a classic style third verse where Cornell just shouts at the top of his lungs and it fades out at the end and it's just a nice song. Heart shine. I will agree the drums uh, definitely stand out on this. I thought the vocals were very like laid back to the point where they just like weren't really passionate, as like particularly like against the other songs that I've heard up until this point. Like it just kind of felt a little bit lazy. Um, and all of the Ah, ah, ah stuff towards the end Was a bit, okay I liked the lead guitar in the verses Like, I think it's a slide guitar That he uses Yeah, um, wooden Jesus for me
1: Where's your point lying, Hannah?
0: I actually Came into this Not being able to decide between them two I had a bit of a tie Um, however, I think now that Imran's laid his cards on the table I think Wooden Jesus might have my point, maybe. Um, this song gives me, like, huge Jeff Buckley vibes. It just feels so much like a Jeff Buckley song to me, and I think that's what makes me want to pick it at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, now that you mention it, it does.
0: Yeah. And I really like Imran. I think you're really good at, um, like, describing songs visually because I really like that you said it's like a song that would come from a sailor because as soon as you said that, I went, oh, my God, somehow, yes. I think that's a great analogy.
1: Thank you. I quite literally drew a holy land environment from listening to this. I thought uh, Temple of the Dog did a pretty good job painting that type of picture. Because I also just want to quickly ask you, Imran, is there a sitar or banjo in use during this song? I think there's a banjo. Thought there might have been.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. It's part of the that folky vibe that comes from it, I guess. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a banjo in that song. It's a little bit hidden, but like, yeah, it's there.
1: Other than that, I. While I can respect from from the breakdown that you gave me there, Iman, About Wooden Jesus, that song hasn't grown on me yet. I think my points are going to end up on Heartshine's side, and it pains me to say that. But I think that's where my gut is telling me, to be honest. Pains me to hear that, Jason. Yeah, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit disappointed that Wooden Jesus doesn't speak to me. But yeah, I I think just the familiarity of what would then become Pearl Jam being present in Heartshine, and plus. There's simply very good drum work in that song.
0: The drum is killer, yeah.
2: I want to reward it as such, you know? Fair enough, I guess. I guess, gosh. <laughs> I don't, it's it's an alright song. I, I'm being mean.
0: No, I'm actually kind of with you, Jason, in the sense that Wooden Jesus hasn't really grown on me. Like, I thought I this was a tough battle in the sense I couldn't really pick a favourite. I do like the drum work from Mother Love Bone, but... I think I just have to do it for Jeff. I have to do it for Jeff Buckley and I have to give it to Wooden Jesus.
1: (laughs) Which is also a shame because look look at the name. Wooden Jesus. What a title. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Like that captures your attention immediately. But yeah, no, heart shine for me. Let's move on here with Captain Hightop versus Your Saviour. We've been making comparisons to multiple uh, artists and singers across this entire battle because we can't quite put our finger on where we've heard this kind of sound before your savior imran it's a temple of the dog song but this song in my view predates show me how to live by audio slave by a
2: decade ah I never thought of it but thought of it that way it kind of does
1: just that element of the funk and just the yeah.
2: it really does it's it's heavy it's funky it's got a catchy chorus it's it, damn I need a minute after that one And just by naming
1: it Your Saviour, you can make it a sentence with the uh, previous track. Wouldn't Jesus, comma, Your (laughs)
2: Saviour.
0: Put that on the business card.
2: Well, where to start? These two tracks are probably, in my opinion, the heaviest tracks on each album. Just in terms of riffage and particularly the bass in both of them, actually. Just chugging bass lines. Captain Hightop. I really like the explosive intro. The guitars are really cool, the vocals are like a little bit off beat, they've got some attitude to them, very, very Axl Rosy. Um, it's got a classic wah solo, it's just a, that's a fun, funky, it's, it's short, it's snappy, it's a good song. Your Savior, I'd have to probably say the same, except for the fact that there's a weird ambient outro. It's got the, it's got some weird chords, some, lots of reverb on Cornell there, but yeah, it's just a... I think it's a bit like Captain Hightop in the sense that it's fun riffage, it's heavy, it's very cool. It's, I feel like it's got a little bit of attitude to it, but Your Saviour is a bit more bluesy. I like the little bridge riff with the the little chuggy riff. It sounds like a very fun song to jam on. I feel like I'd like, have a good time playing that on guitar or something.
1: Captain Hightop, that
2: is? Your Saviour. Your Saviour. bit Sorry. Yeah, these are two very good songs and I have not decided which one I'm picking yet because I'm having a, I'm tossing up.
1: It is deceptive though that both on Captain Hightop and Your Saviour and other songs throughout both albums there is that element of funk. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it, it's deceptive to see that presence on these albums and even in Temple of the Dogs sake, a bit of R&B and soul has been mentioned as we've been discussing it. It's interesting to see Hannah.
0: Yeah, um, this one I don't know. I don't know if I can. I agree with what you're saying, but I don't think I can fully engage in in, in dialogue for these two tracks. I think your intro. I really liked. It had that cool drum intro. It's got a really good riff, um, good riffage, as you said earlier, Imran. Um, it's heavy, a little bit funky. Yeah, there's like a bit of a like a solo towards the end, and then they're right back into that cool riff, and then there's another little change of pace at the end, which is cool. I actually really like that track. And then up against Captain Hightop. look, look, I love a bit of a sense of humor, and I and I love like a bit of cheekiness. But to me, the like just lyrically, the music was fine. But lyrically, this was just—I know it was a bit of a joke, but it was just so far up their own ass. And like, what was it? What's the lyric? Like, I'm the inseminator of the female population. Nah, no, sorry, to- totally lost my vote there. I have to go with. Um, I have to go with uh, Temple of the Dog.
1: What do, you, what do you say with my comparison to Your Saviour being uh, like the audio slave track, Hannah? Have you heard Show Me How to Live?
0: I don't know. Like, I feel like it's one of those songs I'll know if I hear it, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head that I know it.
1: Okay, that, that's no worries at all. <laughs> I was just interested then, but okay, Your Saviour gets Hannah's vote. It's, it's probably going to get mine as well for pretty much the same reasons. Imran has been mentioning he's been our MVP tonight, but yeah, the elements of funk... I'm not sure. Maybe it's also just being related to the fact that I re- that I like Audio Slave um, and yeah, you know,
2: Shredderific solo in run. Shredderific solo, yeah. I I think that's the only way I'd put that solo. I don't know if I mentioned before as well. Actually, the chorus in Your Savior, I really really like how the vocals follow the riff. Yeah, I think I'm gonna pick Your Savior as well.
1: We're all, we've all united once again for Your Savior. Lovely, lovely, lovely. We'll do a quick score check. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't see this coming. This has actually come as a surprise to me. Hannah, 4-4 four, four, draw.
0: Ooh, oh. okay.
1: And Imran and myself, 6-2 to Temple of the Dog. 4-4 Hannah, that crept up on me. I did not expect that. And with five tracks remaining on Mother Love Bone Apple, there is still chance of a comeback. Will we see that comeback? We're only going to find out when we compare Man of Golden Words versus four-walled world. I'll observe this right out of the gate. Man of Golden Words has the lyric, Temple of the Dog. I accidentally wrote Temple of the Dark here in my notes, but it's Temple of the Dog, so that's probably where the band uh, Temple of the Dog the band got their name from, that song. But I'm not a fan of it.
2: You're not a fan? Not a fan. Hmm. I really like this song. Okay. I thought it was very simple and minimalistic, I guess, in terms of like instruments and structure but I thought it was a very nice song. I like just the piano and the acoustic guitar together and the strings kind of coming in a bit later. The chorus is missing a beat or two in it or something which kind of makes it like feel a bit incomplete but I like that about it because the rest of it's so ballady and stuff and the the chorus is like this weird middle section. I don't know, it's a nice song. I think it's a nice little ballad. It's not very long either, so it's just like a nice little track. Four-Walled World. Eh, uh, try saying that five times fast. There's another cowboy riff right there. Um, the bass, I think, is the standout on this track, especially in the verse. Just slowly trudging along behind the the cowboy riffs and stuff and the, the big vocals. Um, there's a very country feel to this song, especially the chorus.
1: of slide guitar in use there especially when
2: cornell starts singing higher and higher and higher especially towards the end when they start um kind of jamming and stuff um the vocals i thought were very passionate even when like the song was a bit more low-key and stuff like the whole song was just very very country style very um i wouldn't say bluesy for this song but it's got that country feel i guess I, i can't think of anything other than country at the moment but yeah it's a very long song as well. I don't think it needed to be as long as it could have been. But yeah. I think I'm picking Man of Golden Words for this one.
1: Anna,
0: what have you got to say about this? I have to say that definitely took me by surprise, that choice. uh, Man of Golden Words, um, for me, I will be a man of few words. It's boring for me. I don't love it. Um, that's kind of all you need to know. Uh, Four World World. I th- Four World World, sorry. I think that Six Minutes Yes is a bit much for this one um but at least in comparison to um mother love bone at least in comparison the track actually changes up a bit and it actually does something <laughs> um i would pick this track and i have picked this track pretty much just for cornell's vocals alone
1: yeah i will say that's probably the way you describe cornell and the word is passionate it's kind of like it's kind of like an alfredo you need to have a swear jar every time you say the word passion to describe that type of card the way you describe Chris Cornell's vocals. Yeah, m- I'm with you, Hannah, but Man of Gold Words for me, and I'm glad you're kind of half with me there. It-, it does not go anywhere. For me, it does not progress anywhere.
0: No, and I think I was hoping so hard for something to happen, and it just didn't.
1: Yeah, wholeheartedly with you there, Hannah. Temple of the Dog for me as well. Alright, we're at the final Temple Temple of the Dog track. Again, that's another That's another band name that you need to say five times fast. Temple of the Dog all Night Thing is the final track on it, and that goes up against Capricorn Sister. There's three more tracks left on Apple. Those are uncontested. We're going to put the Gold Star rule to the test on those three tracks. But for now, Capricorn Sister versus All Night Thing. Imran, All Night Thing. There's really very few words needed to describe this one. This is perfect for a dark, dimly lit, smoky jazz hall environment.
2: Yep. This this contest for me is not even a contest. This is all night thing. All night thing, yep. No one. Who's Mother Love Bone? Um, yeah, firstly, the organ. I am a sucker for an organ, so, ah, I love it. Um, I love the reverby drums in the background. It feels like it's coming from the other side of a really big hall. I like how jazzy this song sounds this i think is the best example of temple of the dogs or maybe chris cornell in particular his his vocal range because he goes into full soul jazz kind of style singing here i if if it was anyone else singing i would have mistaken this for like a 1950s underground classic jazz singer or something yeah it's a it's a simple song, there's not much to it, but there's also so much to it. You know, like, I feel like this is a song as well that if you just had the vocals for the whole song, that could just be a song in itself. It just works as a as its own thing, and, like, you wouldn't need any instruments.
1: I do wish the drums could be a bit more fuller, but I think that's pretty much a minor complaint because a lot of what you were just saying there in Run does speak to me, and, and of, of course... So a bit of keyboard synth and a bit of piano in there adds up to a great performance. Mm-hmm.
2: I also really like how it ends on a very dissonant chord. Because you... Okay. The, yeah, like, particularly at the end, it kind of feels like it's leading to this, like, not so much grand ending, but, like, it, you can kind of hear where it's going. And then it just completely, like, goes in another direction and ends on this really dark chord. And I really like that. So, yeah, all-night thing.
1: No contest for me, too. Hannah, like I said, the perfect environment to hear this song would be in the most intimate, dimly lit jazz hall. You're going to join us there, Hannah, or have you got a case for Capricorn Sister?
0: I've got a briefcase, which I'm going to open shortly. Um, I do, I actually wrote what, down what you said. It's very dark and smoky, whiskey bar vibes. That's great for Temple of the Dog. And I agree with you, Imran. I'm a sucker for an organ. So as soon as that kicked in, my ears pricked up. And I was like, "Ooh, okay, that's very cool." I think that all night thing works extraordinarily well as a closer. I think um, musically, more so vocally. Um, there's these moments of, of um, grandeur, and then and then reeling it back, knowing when to reel it back, and kind of going into yourself again, which I think is is really really beautiful. However, I do think Capricorn's Sister. It's totally. It's a very very different track to this Temple of Dog track. Um, I don't know how to describe this other than it gives me teenage boy vibes and I don't know how to elaborate on it that and I refuse to elaborate on that.
2: Very bold of um,
0: But at the end of the day, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of seems... I think it's just that attitude that we spoke about earlier kind of comes back into play um, and it just seems... A, I don't know. like It just seems a bit kind of immature, I suppose. Not fully sure how to elaborate on that point. But at the end of the day, I did actually enjoy listening to Capricorn System more and for that reason it gets my point.
2: Yikes. I'm bringing back the hot take, Jason.
1: All right. <laughs> okay. It's hot take of the podcast Hannah taking Capricorn Sister. Explain why cuz we didn't really dive too much into Capricorn Sister. What did you take out of that?
2: Um the song really just felt more like of a jam, like a jam to me. Like the whole song the I don't know, I didn't really get much out of the song really, and not gonna lie, I don't really remember how it goes, but from what I do remember, it was just a few minutes of jamming, um, some singing, I thought they there was used Mother Love Eris. Bone as a lyric. I wrote that down, <laughs> I wrote Mother Love Bone, yeah. Um, I thought it kind of reminded me of Aerosmith a little bit. Um, see, I yeah, knew that, I was that, that...
0: onto something before, I knew it!
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's just lots of jamming, I think. Like, it It didn't feel like a song, more so like they were just playing around with their instruments. They found a cool riff, maybe two, and just went for it.
1: All right, well, there we go. That's Temple of the Dog, analyzed on the Great Metal standoff. We've still got three more to go, so if Gentle Groove you think could have beaten the vast majority of Temple of the Dog tracks, or you would want to seek that out again, or whatever reason you would like to give it, does that earn you a gold star?
0: To me, this track Gentle Groove almost felt like Mother Love Bone doing Temple of the Dog, like it felt like it was them really trying to get that stuff. I don't know how to fully describe it. I I doesn't I look, at the end of the day, I didn't give it a point because I obviously wasn't that invested in it, so that was pretty superficial listening, I'll be I'll admit.
2: Um, I kind of hear that kinda cuz it's got I feel like this song more has has more of a jazzy progression to it. Um, particularly in the verse. Um, but I thought this was like a... This kind of feels like a slow dance song. Something you play, maybe not at a wedding, but like somewhere where you're having a party and suddenly everyone's got to find a partner and slow dance and you put on gentle groove. I liked the solo. Um, I thought the chorus wasn't really as exciting as the verse. I thought the verse was really good. Would I seek it out again? I don't know. I'm teetering,
1: but, ah. Uh... This song, when I was listening to it, I'm like, this sounds like something, but I could it, this was my song where I was like it sounds like something but I cannot put my finger on it. What kind of what other bands out there could this song remind you of, Imran, other than Temple of the Dog as we just mentioned?
2: Um that's a very good question. I would have to listen to it again. It's got a bit of a bit of Zeppelin, I think, but I like I feel like that's too basic of an answer.
1: The, the best I could come up with was like it's this weird blend of crimson day set me free and seize the day by avenge sevenfold but at that by that point I'm thinking oh, that there's no that's probably just me making too many personal connections there but <sighs> gentle groove I'm teetering on it Hannah have you got any compelling cases why it should be a, a gold star
0: I don't I'm sorry I have nothing to bring to the table I personally didn't give it a star so I'm of no use to you my friend <laughs>
1: I, th- I think I'm going to leave it, because, yeah, I'm not sure I will be seeking
2: it out again, but... I think I'm going to leave it, too.
1: Yeah. Do I, did I hate it? Not really. I thought it was fair enough, but it's just, it left me very indifferent, so I think it is probably the right call to, at least for me, to uh, leave it. We'll move on now to track 12, then, for Apple. This one's a more funk number, so much so that it reminded me of Red Hot Chili Peppers, especially early 90s Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mr. Danny Boy. Does that get a gold star?
0: It's so funny that you say that, because after I finished listening to this album, I was humming, and I was like, why am I singing Red Hot Chili Peppers? And I think subconsciously I must have made the same connection.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's either that or Epic by Faith No More. You mean
2: Epic by Red Hot Chili Peppers? um, (laughs) Um... Mr. Danny boy this was a very funky song. I liked the groove to it it was very cool. I liked the guitar sound in it like the the weird trippy style intro with the with the weird funny sounds. Um, there was a cool thing like in the middle that, that had like this weird descending vocal line and like this riff like kind of following each other. I thought it gave me a bit of prince vibes but I put a question mark next to it because I don't think I was right in that assumption. I don't know, I don't think I'm gonna give this one a point either.
0: Yeah, it's a no from me. I see what you mean how it was a bit funkier, but there was something about it to me, I can't quite put my finger on it, that was like a little bit darker. There was something a little bit dark about it, not 100% sure what it was. Um, but I will not be seeking the song out again, I don't think.
1: Neither will I, I don't think. Um. The vocal effects Imran was talking about, I'm still mixed on whether it was needed or not. I don't think that was a necessary addition to it. I can appreciate the idea of giving a bit more of a funky sound, but I think this is one of the more forgettable tracks for me, so I'm going to probably skip. Yeah, that makes all three of us. Okay, we'll end it on this then. Crown of Thorns, The Closer.
2: What do we think? Um, One of you guys go first, because I have absolutely no idea.
1: All right, Hannah, what do you got?
0: Damn, handballed to me. Um, Again, keeping this fairly short and sweet, this track's almost seven minutes, which normally kind of works for a closer, but to me this song didn't really add anything to the album. I think the first half of the album was really strong and the second half, not so much. I think it was kind of just... I suppose similar to the vocal effects in the previous track, it's kind of just music and sound for the sake of sound. I didn't really see the point in adding this track onto the album. Didn't add anything, so I'll not be giving it a point.
1: Wow quick and concise for myself it picks up for a fine ending but it is a bit slow and drones on a little bit it's very bad again it's another one of those very ballady drums are a driving force so I don't mind the drums other than that I don't know it picks up for a fine ending and it at least ends on a positive note but I didn't take I didn't get much out of this one either Imran
2: I, I liked this song but it was very long I don't like there was. There's a lot of elements to it that I really like. Like the chorus, gives me the Stone Temple Pilots vibe. I like the weird rhythm of it. Um, kind of feels like it's gonna lead to something really big, but it doesn't really lead to anything massive. But I still like where it leads into this like guitar solo um, that kind of like swells in and out throughout the throughout the chord progression um, with you know lots of delay on it and stuff. Um, you know, the big chorus at the end is really nice. There's a lot of elements to it that are good, but I don't know if I'd want to sit through seven minutes of this, and that's why I'm tossing up.
1: I'm joining you, Hannah. I probably will be leaving it. Uh, so it all comes down to Imran. What does your gut tell you?
2: Let's do it. Let's give it a point.
1: All right, he's gone and done it. Good good on you, Imran. Oh, I, I, do, I will emphasize, it is a at least a positive end to Apple. Would you agree?
2: Definitely, I I'd, I'd say it's not a massive standout track, but it's like top five for me. I really enjoyed listening to that track.
1: Well, now that we've completed both albums, what would you, what would everyone name as their at least top three of Apple
2: and Temple of the Dog? We'll
1: start with Hannah first. Let's.
0: Oh, um, okay. This is a bit tricky. I actually feel like there were no super super memorable songs, but I will try my best. So for Temple of the Dog, I feel like I have to say Reach Down. That one's kind of going without saying um, and then potentially oh, I think Call Me A Dog I know I didn't give a point to that song but I think it's a it's a nice sampling of the album and then probably oh, I'm tossing up between Wooden Jesus and Your Saviour I think I'll say Your Saviour they're my three picks
1: Okay, what about Mother Love Bone I'm interested too in that I know for me, uh, before you get to yours Hannah this is Shangri-La uh, Owl is definitely up there Uh, what else is there? Maybe Come Bite the Apple and Stardog Champion. Those are probably my three. What are yours?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely this is Shangri-La. Uh, I reckon Holy Roller. And I'm tossing up between Bone China and Come Bite the Apple. I guess I'll say Come Bite the Apple as well.
1: Uh, I'll say, I did say Stardog Champion, but then I'm like, oh wait, I forgot HeartShine. Maybe I should replace it with HeartShine. Either way, it's either Stardog Champion or HeartShine that's in the top three, but Shanglia aao and Come Bite the Apple is certainly the uh, in the top three as well.
2: Imran, what are yours? Oh, I'll start with Mother Love Bone. Um, this is Shangri La. I reckon. Shangri La. Oh, I wonder if I can speak today. Shangri
1: La We can English well.
2: Yeah, that's why we have a
1: podcast.
2: Um, oh, dear. Bone China. And Stargazer, I reckon. And Temple of the Dog. Well, Reach Down. That's such an easy pick. The, can I make Reach Down my top three picks? Because it's like 11 minutes. <laughs> it's plausible, yeah. Isn't it equates it? to one song. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, Reach Down. Uh, call Me a Dog. And All Night Thing.
1: Righto. I. I... It bugs me I didn't give it a point, so I know Say Hello to Heaven's gonna be on my top three. Other than that, Hunger Strike and call me a dog, I think. That'll be my top three for Temple of the Dog. So, there have been high moments to praise about on both albums, but now, it's time to decide a winner here. And here is how the numbers tell the story. And the grand points go like this. Let's start with Hannah. Our trusty guest who's been on a trilogy of standoffs here. So we thank her very much for doing three podcasts in a row. It's quite the task to churn these all out. And uh, we thank her diligently for exploring new horizons in her music world. Her final score, it's a draw, five all.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) What have I done?
1: So what we need to do is split Hannah's grand point into two and give half a point to each... Temple of the Dog and Mother Love Bone. Okay, let's go with myself next. Temple of the Dog won it eight to two. That's a convincing win for me. There, Temple of the Dog. I think, and I think that's kind of how I expected this battle to go for me. I, despite the fact that there are some good songs on Apple, or at least the high points that I do appreciate about Mother Love Bone, they were going up against some some much more substantial songs, at least for me in Temple of the Dog, so I think that is definitely an accurate measurement of how I saw this battle going. As for Imran, our Grunge Aficionado, our Grunge Maniac, our Encyclopedia of the Seattle Underground, whatever nickname you want to give him. In fact he's got he's even got Chris Cornell's hair. Like the connection <laughs> Imran has to this man has given Temple of the Dog a win with 7-4. to four. Was there any doubt? Temple of the Dog, 2.5 half to half. Was there any doubt?
2: Uh, nah, Yeah, I knew from the start that I was... I think I was going to lean towards that, but I'm just glad it wasn't a draw again. But
1: So the tribute to the singer of one of the bands that helped kickstart an entire era of music. The tribute album is the better album, according to us.
2: I mean... What can you say when you've got a whole eleven-minute song on there, with a whole section dedicated to Chris Cornell and his many harmonies, a whole five-minute guitar solo, and
1: also tearing it up with with Eddie Vedder. Ah, oh, Eddie Vedder. How could you forget Eddie Vedder? It is actually kind of impressive. You do kind of forget Eddie Vedder is on this <laughs> song. He's he's on. Yeah. He's pretty much. He's at least he's prevalent in one song, and that's "Hunger Strike." Everything else, it's all hmm. Chris Cornell, and hey, it's all. Uh, Mike McCready and Stone Gossard but they they hold their own and they make one incredibly good album and what's amazing is that the very first time I listened to Temple of the Dog I was a bit like yeah it's okay, I appreciate it so much more now after doing this
2: I think the first time I listened to Temple of the Dog it took me a few listens to truly like be whoa about it Um, I don't know if that's just me or not but yeah, just some good stuff
1: and to reiterate, Hannah, this would have been your first proper deep dive of anything Chris Cornell fronted. How has this experience been for you?
0: It's been a pretty positive experience. Um, I definitely went, went in pretty open-minded. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you so much for taking me on this journey. And
1: uh, final comments about Mother Love Bone. What, what have been our takeaways for Mother Love Bone?
2: Um, I'm glad Pearl Jam exists.
1: It's Such a backhanded thing. <laughs> it's so backhanded, but I kind of half am with you there. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it. I
0: didn't, I didn't even Roll know that Mother Love, I didn't even know that Mother Love Bone existed. So it was a nice, a pleasant discovery, shall I say? Um, I don't know how much else I should say and can say, so I'm just going to leave it on that note.
1: There were high points on Apple, but yeah. We- Very happy that we have at least got a Pearl Jam to appreciate as well. Um, Other than that, as a little bit of a thank you to Hannah and the fact we've got the Soundgarden Encyclopedia or just the Chris Cornell cosplayer here in Imran, now that we've found out that Hannah hasn't deeply explored any Chris Cornell-fronted music, particularly Soundgarden Audio Slave, as a going-away present from us here at the Great Metal Standoff, Hannah, Imran, would you like to recommend any songs... By Soundgarden or Audio Slave or anything Cornell related to Hannah as a little going away
2: gift. Oh my God! Why would you put me under pressure like this? You could have <laughs> you could have told me earlier to prepare some stuff. Oh, because but... there's good. Okay.
1: because we've got at least two other battles here on this show. We've got Bad Motorfinger dissected. We've got Super Unknown dissected. We did Audio Slave, for instance, uh, with White Bonsai. So there's plenty of material to play with. We've, you know, maybe their podcasts. Uh, Hannah and you, the listener, should check out as well because we've. We did a lot of grunge in a very short space of time in Run.
2: We really did. I'm I'm still impressed at the amount that we covered.
1: So much so that I'm still getting recommended the Essential grunge albums on my Spotify, so thank you very much for that.
2: <laughs> um okay. Sound recommendations. Um obviously Black Hole Sun
1: and you know Outshine and Jesus Christ oh, pose yeah. are up there, but yeah, what a small oh, I best.
0: know those ones, yeah.
2: Yeah, those are the classics. I'm I'm trying to think of like the deep the deep stuff you may never heard of. Um, judging by what you seem to like, Hannah, you would probably like... I would recommend listening to their album Down on the Upside. All
0: right, I'm taking notes as we speak.
2: And even if you haven't listened to the entirety of Super Unknown, that's always a good place to start.
1: Uh, if we're going to talk Super Unknown, I recommend Limo Rack. Right, Limo okay. rack is So sick and so like twisted.
2: That. Love it. <laughs> and off um, Down on the Upside, I would take note... Uh, my favorites in particular are um Burden in my hand um Apple bite that's a weird one but that's just a personal favorite um Rhinosaur
0: I have a feeling that I know that song I have the name's very familiar
2: Yeah that that whole album is just really good but yeah and also uh, Hannah I'm
1: going to throw in a couple of Audio Slave for you cuz I also think there's some stellar stuff off that The only one I've Properly explored as the self-title, but uh, show me how to live, obviously. But um, Shadow on the Sun, What You Are, Bring Him Back Alive, I Am A Highway, All Stellar Tracks.
0: I can't write this fast.
1: <laughs> We're overwhelming Hannah here, but no, this this is exactly <laughs> what the standoff is all about. We talk about music that maybe we haven't quite explored in depth before, and we come on and have a little bit of a chat about it. So uh, Hannah, you've done three in a row with us. Thank you very much for taking part and hopefully... With this trilogy of podcasts with you, uh, it's only just the start of many more to come.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for your kind words, and thanks for the good times and the tune recommendations.
1: And Imran, until the next battle, I hope we never have to do another grunge battle again. But wait, we forgot the Melvins. We're going to probably have to get back we to that at the Melvins. some point.
2: Tune in for Grunge Month Part 3. <laughs> dear, oh dear. <laughs> 2022. This is, what,
1: this is what the point was. We were meant to end it as it began. And then we forget the Melvins. Bloody hell.
2: Yeah. now we're just going to have to do all of the Melvins albums now. We'll put them up against each other.
1: <laughs> Listeners, if you really want that, do get in contact. Facebook.com forward slash Metal Standoff pod. And maybe we'll get to it within a year or two. But until the next battle, Imran, safe travels co-host. You too, friend. That brings us to the end of our mini second series of grunge, and it ends with Temple of the Dog besting Mother Love Bone. For all of our other grunge battles we have here on The Standoff, we have a dedicated playlist on our podcast feed at omni.fm. Now, as a big thank you to Hannah for taking the amount of time she had to do a trilogy of battles with us here on The Standoff, it is my duty to tell you that until year's end... You can catch her on The Standoff's corresponding radio show, Moshpit on Sin, Thursday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. on 90.7 FM, DAB Plus Digital Radio, or from your preferred device at syn.org.au. And a thanks to you for tuning in to this show. If you want to keep up with what's happening here, be sure to give us a follow at facebook.com forward slash metalstandoffpod. And with that, let's hope... I don't need to do another grunge battle anytime soon. That really is all for now. But until that Melvin's battle. Metal up your ass.